0: force radio. That force radio is rated M for Mature. Or should that be... Immature?
1: Trick-or-treat! Oh my! Look at here! Some trick-or-treaters coming to visit Wayne Manor. Let's see here. Oh, we have a Catwoman. Ah, looks like a penguin. Goodness gracious, look at you, you make a lovely scarecrow. Oh no, look at you, you're a trunkler. Wait a second, that's not a costume. That's the real trunkler. Run children, run, run.
0: Radio on this spooky evening of October, and before we conclude the Batman Long Halloween countdown to Halloween Day, we wanted to go into three tales, three Halloween tales by Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale that make up what is known as The Haunted Night. These Halloween specials came out as premium format annuals around the time of Halloween and as part of the original and classic Legends of the Dark Knight run. The first tale is entitled Fear, and is a Scarecrow story that takes place on Halloween weekend. The Scarecrow is gassing people with fear toxin and blowing up power stations, while Bruce Wayne meets a mysterious woman during a Halloween party at Wayne Manor. The second tale is entitled Madness, and is a Mad Hatter story taking place on Halloween night. Batman chases the Mad Hatter as a young Barbara Gordon sneaks out of her house after her father, Jim Gordon, forbids her from going out on Halloween night. Batman seems to be drawn back to his mother in Crime Alley while the Mad Hatter kidnaps Barbara Gordon for a disturbing tea party. The third story is entitled Ghosts and is in Christmas Carol format taking place on Halloween Eve. Batman returns to Wayne Manor late after an aerial confrontation with the Penguin when he is first visited by the ghost of his father, warning him about three ghosts that will visit him that very evening. The ghosts assume the appearance of some of his deadliest foes and look into Batman's past, present, and future while questioning if his obsession with being Batman will ultimately be his lonely demise. Jeff Loeb's cinematic writing along with Tim Sale's moody and stylized art make these stories the biggest treat for anyone who loves Halloween and Batman and they are definitely best read around the month of October. This episode is dedicated to Archie Goodwin, who was the editor at the time, and without him, these classic stories would have never graced our imaginations. Read along with us on This Evening. Man, if you really really want to plunge into the Halloween spirit then this is a great way to do it if you're a Batman fan because visually and moody, it just really captures the holiday, the eeriness, the spookiness, the everything about these stories visually and um, the tales they tell are just really... uh, It's everything you think of when you think of Halloween and Gotham City and, uh, you know, the ghouls and the masked freaks lurking um, on this night. So... um,
2: so there's really only one artist whose style fits Halloween as much as Tim Sale, and that's only Kelly Jones.
0: Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I always felt Tim and Kelly were the artists of the Batman mythos. They, uh, To me, they stand out, stand out more than anyone. Uh, stylized, spooky, and exaggerated, shadowed, monstrous Batman and Villains just just captured. You're absolutely right Robin. Oh real quick. Who do we have in the building tonight? That was- uh, This is grandpa
3: Batman from Dallas, Texas where the assholes and egos are bigger than ever.
0: <laughs> oh wait, hold on. Someone just uh, walked in the studio
4: <laughs> That would be
0: Wes <laughs> <laughs> What's up Wes?
4: What's up,
0: bro? Yeah, we got Arkham M80801 hailing from uh, Tennessee to West Virginia. Um, who else we got in?
2: Bob and Cross from the land of hockey sticks and igloos.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and last but not least, we got... And villains from Chicago... <laughs>
4: The (laughs) trunkler. The (laughs) trunkler. The motherf***ing
0: trunkler. Real quick, Wes, Robin was just talking about how the only one who could compare visually or to actually achieve that Halloween-esque style for the Batman universe as much as Tim Sale would be Kelly Jones. What do you think about that?
4: I uh, completely agree with that. Yeah, Um, man. I think... uh... Both of their uh, styles of doing art is—it's uh, been synonymous with like Halloween and and dark darkness and and the styles like that. They're the only two uh, that come to mind instantly whenever you think Halloween, for sure.
0: And actually, Kelly Jones did do a lot of um, Halloween-based stories with. Uh... Yeah, yeah, Doug Munch. Doug Munch. Yeah, right. and like, uh,
4: he did my my favorite personal favorite Elseworlds are uh, the uh, Red Rain and stuff, the uh, Vampire mm-hmm. Batman. Right. Uh, which, which I love. That's I, definitely my favorite Elseworlds. I think he
0: did um, uh, Haunted Gotham and Gotham After Midnight and all yeah. of those tales. Yeah. So. A lot of great stuff. And, uh, you know, like a, like I said in the past episodes, just Batman and Halloween go together like peanut butter and jelly always, man. Right. So it's just great to see that effect. And when I started The Haunted Night, again, in the absolute, and it just gets better and better. Looking more closely at the art, I feel... Now, if you look at Tim Sale's art in uh, the first two, in uh, Fear and, and Madness... Um, For starters, I could see a lot of Mezzichelli influence. David Mezzichelli is the artist for year one with Frank Miller. Especially with Gordon. In certain ways, he draws panels.
4: Um, Yeah, definitely. I agree with Mm -hmm. that. Uh,
0: What what did you guys think of Fear with Scarecrow?
4: Great. I love love how it starts off with, uh, you know,
3: first page, it's Scarecrow on the horse. Right. We talked about Mm -hmm. in Long Halloween and, Explains one where he gets his the horse, but as it goes through the story, man, this book has some of my favorite artwork by Tim Sale as far as Batman. Yes. You know, first he swoops down on these punks that work for uh, Professor, you know, Crane, and he's like standing there, and he's got like these red eyes, like yeah, know, it's like he's got some kind of night vision goggles on, but man, he looks pissed off and badass. Yes.
4: Well, I loved it. I took it as, like, in that panel, is almost, he was, like, drawing at how, like, the the uh, thugs see Batman or something. You know, like, yeah. with the red eyes and uh, really scary looking and stuff. And I love how the cape looks, too. It looks amazing. Oh, my gosh. Very Spawn-like, I think.
0: <laughs> Jeff Loeb said that, well, that he felt Tim Sale's work was almost at the top of his game when he was doing Long Halloween. He felt that's when he was really getting good. But... I don't know. I really love his work in the Haunted Night, especially Fear. Oh yeah. So damn moody. Just looking toward, um, real quick, just to give a quick summary of the story. What what is it? We have um the Scarecrow on Halloween weekend, terrorizing Gotham, he's blowing up like uh, electric stations or power yeah. stations or something. Yeah,
4: knocking out the power, one by yeah. one.
0: Yeah, right. knocking uh,
2: specific areas of the city into darkness.
0: Right. Right, and while this is all going on, um, he also meets this mysterious woman at a Halloween party at Wayne Manor, doesn't he? This woman that's not revealing anything about herself, but is uh, quite charming and seems to know how to interact with high society, right? Well, she doesn't right. get into Wayne
3: Manor. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
3: Yeah. I'm not even knowing.
0: Right, very resourceful in that. Respect. Yeah, she she gets through that. She
2: gets through that house like uh, Alfred bringing Vicky Vale into the Batcave in the '89 movie.
1: God <laughs> fucking damn it, Alfred! <laughs> like he didn't even ask Bruce. Uh, here you are, sir. Some
0: pussy. <laughs> <laughs> he actually says that in not so many words in this story as well. Yeah, does. <laughs> uh, um, a
1: little uh, sort of something to take the edge off tonight, sir.
0: <laughs> one part I really loved was when uh, Batman is um, apprehending some thugs outside, and then all of a sudden you see Scarecrow on the ledge or the beam, and he has like Batman's cape or cloak around him. One, uh,
3: one, one clever part I found on the story was how Jeff Loeb, uh, uh, you know, tied in, you know. The almost some humor with Jim Gordon inviting Batman to a Halloween costume at Bruce Wayne's house. <laughs> <laughs> he's That's like, funny. You could come dressed as you are. And Batman just looked at him like, "Seriously, motherfucker."
2: <laughs> <laughs> and Jim gets all embarrassed and he's like, oh, "Okay, let's forget it."
4: Yeah, uh, yeah. not doing that again. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was stupid. <laughs> yeah.
0: And Batman, um, they keep emphasizing how they batman hasn't slept in days and you can see his beard coming in so it's a very stressed out young batman in his early years and...
1: have we gone over uh the time the time frame of when this is supposed to take place is it in between um long halloween
0: i think it's before yeah. Yeah,
1: before and these can i well, up... it before you yeah, so
0: 1.5
2: pinteresting yeah
0: <laughs> a... yeah so we're still kind of in his rookie year um because if Long Halloween was year two, then... The Halloween party in Wayne Manor? <laughs>
4: yeah. You know, the Where's Waldo guy, in the, you see the,
0: You see the milk box?
4: <laughs> yeah. It's about Hobbs from
0: Calvin and Hobbs. I like how Crane breaks out of the police truck. He keeps doing <laughs> that knick-knack, patty whack shit. Like, <laughs> That's one thing with yeah. the Scarecrow
3: way Jeff Loeb writes him. He almost writes him like he's like... Almost like, like scarecrow a from child. The Wizard of Oz.
4: Yeah, he it, yeah. yeah, he rhymes a lot. It's, all, it's, it's like he Almost does like that when... well with Mad Hatter too and stuff. But yeah, yeah. like scarecrow's always rhyming and uh, saying like real
1: he... belligerent shit. Yeah. When he gases him at first, and he expects him to like immediately be afraid, and he like says boo, <laughs> and then Batman just like fuck you and just socks him in the face. <laughs> <He's>
2: so awesome. <laughs> you know, uh, the maze scene is really cool in this. Mm.
3: Oh yeah. yeah. That's
4: one of my favorite.
3: Well did you
2: guys pick up it uh, before he runs into the
3: maze that um, he says that line that's in Batman Begins about Yes,
0: I was waiting for someone that's, to say yeah. that. Yeah. It's
3: not here right now.
0: Mm. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. once again you could see how uh, Christopher Nolan has borrowed from Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale. Uh,
1: stolen shit. Oh shit. <laughs> yeah, safe it's to fun.
0: say
2: safe to say that Chris Nolan had a big stack of trades. Uh, while he was re- working on those movies, where do you think he got You're them from?
1: <laughs> I think, yeah, I was about to ask that. Do you think that he, he had the knowledge beforehand? I think that it was Goyer that brought him a big, it old, was. Stack. He big did. old stack. He told him that, or I heard
4: like in the interviews that like Goyer did and stuff, he said like when Nolan brought him on for Begins and stuff, it like. He had no idea anything about the character and was like, like really against Batman having a utility belt. He's like, "Do we have to use the belt?" And he's like, "Hell yeah, we have to use the belt!" <laughs> like, what the hell? That's like the whole thing about the character. So, he got him like a bunch of books and stuff and uh, mm. smell the paper, flip the pages. You
1: know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, yeah, all the,
4: uh, all the Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale books were really big influence on the whole entire Dark Knight trilogy, though, because they took a lot of quotes straight from the book, you know, and then, like, in Long Halloween, they got, yeah, they got, like, the whole, I, you know, believe in Gotham City, I believe in Harvey Dent, you know, all that stuff from Long Halloween and, then, like Grants was saying, the scarecrow quote from this is like ripped straight out of the book and put in the movie. So,
0: so in a sense, we could say that Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale are responsible for the resurrection in the Batman franchise, so to speak. Yeah, and yeah, Frank Miller, of course.
3: Well, that's what actually makes the uh, you know the the Chris Nolan trilogy a little bit more legitimate. And I'm sorry to say it, Tom, but a little bit more legitimate. Legitimate than the the Keaton films is that because they actually they actually based them on comic references. and I'm sorry, what? i right?
0: about <laughs> to right fucking punch a hole through the wall, bro.
1: Disappointed. Yeah. So <laughs> Palms wife is gonna hear about this one. Oh yeah, yep. man. <laughs> chase her around the house. Did you hear what Grandpa Batman said? <laughs> He's not gonna send me those signed
3: books now. <laughs> I'll, take that. I'll take them
4: <laughs> But uh, yeah, Killian Murphy who played Scarecrow. He got there's actually some interview where he has like the books that he got, and he got really really deep into the to the Scarecrow character and everything. And he actually did review Haunted Night, and uh, he cited that as a big thing that he read. Uh, mm. For, to get into the character of Scarecrow. So.
0: Scarecrow is a huge character. He's, like, right below Joker. I mean, look how they portray him in um, uh, Arkham Knight. He's, like, you know, the big dog. And uh, I think yeah. one of the reasons Scarecrow is so popular is because not only is he very... Interesting visually and psychologically, but he's one of those villains that Batman really worries about because if that fear toxin gets on him, he goes back to Crime Alley, witnesses his parents Mm -hmm. get murdered all over again, and that's some—that's the last thing Bruce Wayne wants to deal with. So, you know, Scarecrow has always been one of those rogues that are just really like a list for
5: him, and probably definitely like the the top five of. His most form- formidable foes, you know.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I was gonna say people forget and discount the fact that um, the dude's a fucking psychiatrist. With he who's he's he's an expert in you know manipulation and he's uh, a
0: chemist as well. And, yeah,
1: like influencing and stuff like that. And hmm. I think it's like the same, similar to how Harley Quinn gets gets kind of like downplayed with her intellect. You know, they think she's this kind of dumb bubbly chick, but. In reality, she's she's a psychological intern. She's a psychi- psychiatric intern also. Right. So it's like this guy, you know, this is a brainy dude who knows his stuff. And yeah. um, when you put him up against Batman, like, I mean, he's just as crazy as if not more than Batman. And so that scares him.
0: And he's pretty ruthless, right. too. I mean, he really yeah. wants to crack your psyche, you know, with fear. I and mean, that's pretty fucked yeah. up. You know? he wants yeah. To, yeah, and, it's uh... just he
1: wants to... Exp- he just wants to find out what makes what scares you the most, which is fucking weird and it's, own, you know, mm. like who the hell wants to know that and why?
4: Yeah. Right, and that's why I'm glad they're, you know, realizing this and starting to use him more because, like, I think besides Joker, I think that Scarecrow is one of those villains that just compliments Batman really well because, like, there's even that quote where Batman, like, you know, recognizes that they're so similar. They both use fear um, to try and, you know, get the better of their, their prey, if you will. And uh, I think it's really cool how Scarecrow, too, like, in a sense... Needs Batman because he's all about being scared all the time, and he's used all these different toxins on himself, and he can't be afraid anymore. And he's like admitted that the only thing that scares him is Batman, Mm. so that's why he, you know, keeps, uh, you know, attacking him and stuff like that because he needs Batman to feel the fear that he wants to feel. And
2: and that's a great, that's a great quote uh, that you mentioned that where they, it's, I, I think it's pretty early in the story where they have Batman mentioning that, and it's it's good that they do it so early because it, it puts people who may not be very familiar with the basic character of Scarecrow, puts them really in touch with who you're dealing with in this story. Right. Uh, by Batman explaining uh, the contrast between them and how Scarecrow uh, uses fear on the innocent or even on batman himself whereas batman originally set out to use fear against criminals
4: Mm. right this is like the irony isn't lost on me and yeah i really love that quote
0: yeah and there's even hints that he's actually using batman's actually using it to enhance his level of crime fighting in arkham knight at least that was the theory wasn't it wes
4: yeah that that's what i got from it anyway at the end uh um, and, you know, which also I cited in uh, Dark Knight Returns, I forgot that he seems to use some kind of like fear gas bomb on the thugs on the rooftop when he's going to take care of Two-Face. And it like makes them see him as this giant bat creature and, and yeah. stuff. So, yeah, I think he's definitely using it.
0: You know, Jeff Loeb is really good at this writing. Thing. He, he definitely wrote one of the best Scarecrow stories ever. And it's like For half sure. Scarecrow and half This mystery woman but with the scarecrow bit like when he's in that transport vehicle for Gotham City Police and he pulls one of the uh, pieces of straw out of his head to unleash some gas I mean what the officers see in his face changing from snakes out of his eyes to fangs Mm -hmm. to a blank face which is really eerie to a face on fire to a dog's face within the scarecrow and each time it transitions he's he hasn't he lets out another bark as if he's a dog now imagine that in a film or an animated film that would be pretty fucking creepy if yeah we we get another look at the glider
2: from uh year one and long halloween in this and also there are the visual kind of continuity things that uh, Loeb and Sale used through some of their stories. Like in this one, Scarecrow's one of Scarecrow's crows shows up back at his you know at his hideout with carrying the logo from Batman's chest, carrying right. the bat symbol. And then in the Hatter story, uh, there's the part towards the end after he smashes that mirror where the mirror is broken away. Uh, you see Batman's reflection, but there's the piece of the mirror missing right over where the bat logo is. So it's it's another it's mm-hmm. exactly the same you're seeing with, with the logo missing.
0: Right. <clears throat> right. I just noticed this today. It was after meeting Tim Sale that it really clicked in my head. But uh, um, when everything goes black and white and Bruce Wayne is spending time with that mystery woman they there, it looks like they went for a horse ride in the park, Gotham City Park mm-hmm. or whatever, and then they get mugged. Yeah. By the, um, the thug that's wearing the, uh, like, bandana over his face. And he has a Seattle baseball cap on his head. And it's the <laughs> same one Tim Sale always wears. So I'm like, uh uh-huh. <laughs> It just, it just, oh, that's cool. he was actually wearing it when I, when I met him, I mean, so.
3: That's one it's, thing that she pointed out, and we've kind of discussed before, is that he loves to throw little Easter eggs in, in certain places. You know, little nuances like that, and especially, like, a, around the corners, it seems like, in his in his uh, pages. Do you remember the picture that uh, his wife talked about at New York Comic Con? The
0: Catwoman? Oh, yeah, the print?
3: Yeah, he had this Catwoman print. And, I mean, it was a beautiful picture of Catwoman. She's, like, laying on this bed, looking straight ahead, and I think she had, like, some jewels or something like that. And we were admiring it, and then she goes, look right up here in the top right corner. You see that? And it looked like, I don't know, just like a piece of cloth dangling or something like that. And she goes, people don't know that that's Batman's cape.
0: Right. Mm. So
3: that changed the whole context hmm. of that, that print. Mm.
5: Um,
3: and in the background was the Bat symbol, so it was kind of like, you know, a subtle little reference that Batman and Catwoman's relationship goes a little further than what... Is seen a lot in the comics. They I mean, bang. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, just is just a master of doing little little things like that. That if you really pay attention to, you can see a lot of interesting uh, meaning in his artwork. Mm.
1: Dude, you know what I loved about? Well, more so in this than in uh, Long Halloween, I felt like in this one, there's a lot of like scenes where he's like perched on a gargoyle. Or he's like perched on a ledge. Mm -hmm. and you kind of see him with the backdrop of the city or he's, like, looking out on the city. It just looks so damn good, like, the way Tim Stale draws that.
3: Well, especially, like, the beginning of Chapter 2 where it's all dark and it looks like you don't know which one is Batman and which one's the regular gargoyle, and then you flip the page and there's that lightning that brought the, oh, that's awesome.
0: Really love how uh, Batman followed the crow back to Scarecrow. And I love how, well, if you have, especially if you have the absolute and these huge panels, you could see how Bloodshot... The scarecrow's eyes are like in, in every every profile pic. Just so
5: you hang out with Rich, was
0: in Detroit. Be part of the fear toxin. <laughs> He's chasing him through this uh, grass maze. Gets caught on poisonous thorns. Right. It's not fear toxin, but it's poisonous. Thorns that get bats when trying to apprehend Scarecrow. Batmobile takes him back to the bat cave where Alfred patches him up. And uh, I'm not really gonna say who. And that is a there.
2: really good looking Batmobile in that one. Yeah. Ooh. Oh. Cave
4: looks awesome too.
0: Hmm. Yeah, the cave is amazing. I am wondering if that's a similar one to the one in The Long Halloween, but uh um, this was the first time Jeff and Tim ever did Batman, right? Fear?
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Mhm. All right. So, so they so they came in swinging, you know. They they knew they were going to do a Scarecrow story and they delivered. No reason to really get into who this mystery woman is. I think everyone should read this and find out cuz it's just an amazing Scarecrow Halloween story. I just yeah, I for can't sure. see
2: Uh, Tim really killed it on the bat signal when Scarecrow takes over
0: the bat signal.
4: Yeah.
0: Oh, Um, yeah. That just looks so good. Yeah, I love how it's orange as well.
4: Yeah, and I always love this, too, because it kind of spawned the, uh, you know, the uh, Scarecrow symbol they use in the Arkham games a lot, you know. It's kind of like where it came from, except they use, like, the upside-down bat symbol and Mm. and everything. So I really love that, too.
0: Love it. He's looking up at the signal. It's orange against the purple sky. So it's just uh, so Halloween. And next page, you have that uh, that bat hang glider we was talking about. Every year one, saving Gordon's ass on the clock tower, on the actual hand of the clock.
4: And I love when it, like, shows them running and it looks like they're running on the gears. Yes. <laughs> That's so awesome. That right. made me think of uh, the Arkham Games. Kind of like the Mad Hatter thing or whatever, where it's in Well, the... you know,
3: just the different scenes where, you know, you're, you're going up against uh, Scarecrow and all the different landscapes and things in the Arkham Games, how...
0: Right, just, when he starts hallucinating. and Yeah, all
3: the hallucinations. Yeah.
4: Just, mm-hmm. Those are amazing.
0: You could feel the punches being thrown from Batman against Scarecrow. Uh, I mean, you could tell this is a very young and angry Batman. And mm-hmm. he's just pounding the shit out of the Scarecrow. <laughs> I mean, he is annoyed, but fuck, it's like five huge panels. Jeez. Just his face. <laughs> looney tunes <Okay>.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah like the like the punch to joker in uh, uh in, in long halloween yeah, I'm so <laughs> and glad. it just extends out the side of the plane
0: <laughs> love it so you get scarecrow and then alfred assists bruce in uh figuring out who this mystery woman is and then they ended up. Well he
2: not so much assists him as he goes behind his back and digs yeah. info on her to the point that Bruce uh gets a little a little pissed off at him.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But you know
3: he had every right to, in in my opinion, because oh, this absolutely. sneaking into the Wayne Manor, she just appearing out of nowhere and and things like that. I'd be a little suspicious myself. I'd I have, have a boner.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I love what Alfred said. He wrote, uh, I mean, he says, I offer you this thought. Perhaps it wasn't Batman who made the error, but only Bruce Wayne. I like how this um, story actually ends. Totally contrasts the dark cityscape of Halloween Gotham because we're on a beach. Listeners will have to read for themselves to see why. Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale definitely started this um, Haunted Night trilogy uh, with a bang. Scarecrow story was amazing. And then that leads us right into um, Madness, which is a Mad Hatter story. And this one, I the opening page screams Mazakelli. Tell yes. me that.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yes.
0: Batman's going after this little creepy motherfucker. And, <laughs> uh, man, this was... This They were pushing it with this one. There's been a lot of controversy or a lot of things that has, have been alluded with the um, Mad Hatter. And in this opening splash page, the dual page, the third part, um, he writes, Tonight is Halloween. Children should be allowed to dress up as spooks and fairies and collect candy without having to worry about being poisoned, molested, or worse. So mm. that's, a, you know... Oh, we got to fucking that a, hear that, out. Scott.
1: You hear that, Scott? <laughs> it's alone.
2: another one where they uh, set up early on just what exactly uh, Batman is dealing with. Uh, on the page following that one, uh, Batman talks about how you know, when he's dealing with uh, mm-hmm. people like the Joker, none of them unsettle him the way that the Mad Hatter does. Exactly.
4: Right, I love that.
0: That always stuck with me because... Uh-huh yeah it's like there's something really wrong and disturbing and creepy with the mad hatter and and, um,
2: and how and how he touches how the mad hatter specifically touches on bruce's memories the the few good memories he has from his
0: childhood right epic battle between the mad hatter and, and batman on top of a moving overhead train in gotham and he Re- he keeps drawing them so you could actually see what's going on like blow by blow actually yeah. he's a tough little motherfucker
4: that's <laughs> 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 like on his own <laughs> yeah <laughs>
0: He falls yeah,
4: I love when they get inside the uh, like when he smashes into their uh, dives into him. They go through the playing card <laughs> coincidentally. And, uh, <laughs> then he sees uh, after he sees the queen card or whatever. But I love where uh, it shows uh, Hatter cutting Batman with a knife, and you can see his reflection even in the blade. Mm. I thought that was really nice.
2: Oh, uh, actually, yeah. Detail at it. And then following that, uh, something that you don't see happen very often. Batman just gets shot
0: in the fucking head. Yeah. <laughs> After we cut from that battle scene with the Hatter and, um, and Batman, the next scene, when we come back to Gordon, it kind of changes artistically, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, it really yeah. switches
0: back to the way the uh, the
2: first page is done, the series of small panels.
4: Yeah. And um, It looks a lot more like Year One-esque.
2: Doesn't
0: it? Like, it
4: looks just like yeah. Mazzucchelli. It does. In
2: in in the best way possible. It's not uh said uh, in a derogatory way. Right. Right. We're you not know, that being critical. It's it's good.
0: Obviously Tim Sale did that you know, everything's calculated with him, so obviously it's by design, so I'm guessing that's a homage to year one where Gordon's arguing with a young Barbara Gordon, his daughter about being able to go out on Halloween because Halloween night because there's a whole bunch of
3: it, it could food. be his way of saying this is where we are in man's career at this point
0: right right but it
3: also shows that sale. i mean a lot of people either love him or hate him because of his style but it also shows he's adapt to doing whatever i mean he he's talented enough to draw like this person
4: mm-hmm. but he can also
3: draw his own way if right. he wants
0: to just like wes said what do you say about uh, the whole jim lee quote
4: Right, it was, uh, where he was saying like that he could, uh, you know, everybody's really critical of his artwork and that when he uh, started out and stuff, he said, I could draw realistically and he wasn't like knocking them or anything, but he was saying I could draw realistically like Jim Lee does or um, you know with um, all the detail and more realism to it but he said that he practiced for years to learn how to draw this way so he would have his own style and right. he wanted like everybody to know that it was his artwork when they would look at a cover or yeah. anything like that and, and mm-hmm. I respect that a lot.
0: And in, in certain panels the way he draws bar- a young Barbara Gordon you could see her glasses are very big and round and it's almost the same exact way that Sam Keith was drawing one of those characters from his story, The Max. It's, like, almost identical in some panels.
2: And the, the way that uh, that Barbara looks in some of the panels, uh, like, this is kind of jumping ahead, uh, but the there's the part where she gets uh, attacked. The way that you'll see just the contrast of, like, her orange hair with a dark sky behind her, and her body's in kind of a silhouette, but mm-hmm. you'll see the big white glasses, yeah.
0: It, yeah.
2: it all it it has a, kind of a, a Sin City kind of feel.
4: Right. Right. Yeah. With Gordon and the Long Halloween with his glasses you know and stuff, you could always see them in the dark and everything. Mm. So, yeah. yeah.
0: And then there's a lot of flashback in this story as well when it goes to black and white and a young Bruce Wayne is sitting um, with his mother while his mother reads him uh, Alice in Wonderland right before they went to see the Mark of Zorro. So... Uh, that's, I like how Jeff Loeb added that into the mythos. And, uh, and really cool scene here that we're going to... Uh, Thomas and Martha Wayne are in, I believe... It's either their bedroom or the bathroom. It's hard to tell, <laughs> but they're in this room on an angle, and they're talking about um, Alice in Wonderland stories versus uh, dreadful medical biographies, you know, right before <laughs> Cedar Morgan's... And that,
3: that, that, that was, was very good. cool that Loeb wrote it that way because it, it kind of explains why Mad Hatter gets at batman so much you
0: know yeah that and because he shot him in the head (laughs) (laughs) so i'm just seeing this next page and bruce just has like this wound in his head oh and blood coming down on his face from underneath the cowl. and then you flash back to the the pearls his wife's Mm -hmm. uh, his mother's pearls and uh, these guys just fit so much into their page count that it's Unbelievable. So Barbara runs out. She jumps out of her bed bedroom window. Gordon's like, "Oh fuck." The wife's like, "You better go find her, you fucking idiot." <laughs> you know, she's she's out. What appears to be a little bridge that you would see in Central Park over here. And the two guys go after her with skeleton masks. And then blam blam blam. Little fucking manhunter shoots them. <laughs> <laughs> he loves that gun boy yeah <laughs> he's nasty and then you see him
2: uh he comes up out of the shadows and he's got his little uh <laughs> golfer pants on there
0: mm. oh man i love it i'm so happy that they made the figure though it's just a, oh man yeah a really nice looking figure it's devilish looking bastard he pretty much um shoots these two guys that would trying to i guess mug or hurt barbara he takes her. Batman's still stuck in the card shop or factory or whatever it is. Conveniently enough, there's this huge spir- downward spiraling staircase. Um,
2: yeah, where it uh, it kind of goes a Little Alice in Wonderland here.
0: Yeah. He's kicking borders to get out to street level, and he's back at Crime Alley. So he's pretty much passing out. And then you have this image of Batman on the ground in Crime Alley where... His mother is just sitting over him very pale and ghostly with pearls and then cry Mally in the background like wow what an image do you think that do you think that's a ghost guys uh
2: I I thought it was just a, a result of his condition but yeah it could also yeah. be seen that way
0: being mm. of the spooky theme and, and whatnot I was just mm.
2: yeah she, she is very pale mm. yeah it's a very white figure but uh, we find out later who was uh, who was seeing to him at the time
0: Halloween the Mad Hatter has Barbara Gordon dressed up as Alice in Wonderland with I a bunch
4: thought this of... was such a creepy
5: <laughs>
0: <take>. <laughs> with a bunch of runaways dressed up as characters from Alice in Wonderland looking... you
4: can see a bat signal in the background out the window mm-hmm.
0: Mad Hatter yeah. we don't get many Mad Hatter stories so and this yeah. is definitely one for the books. I even like the way he has those two Vandal kids, like running, one has the toilet paper, another has like spray paint. Oh, It yeah. yeah. so really dates it back to the time that this book actually did come out, which is what <laughs> I like.
4: I feel like the, the stories that, uh, le- or, you know, the stuff Loeb and Sale did with Mad Hatter in this, and even in Long Halloween was like very critical and kind of like uh, re- reimagining the character and kind of, like, bringing it back into the Batman mythos because I don't feel like he was ever that threatening until, you know, they did all this stuff with the character.
0: Right. Man, when we cut over to the next page, I could, I think I can start to understand why Mazzucchelli influenced Draped in the story because if you look at that one page with Bruce, pretty much the year one cover with all the yes. boys.
2: Kneeling uh, between his parents Under the under the streetlight
0: Right Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale Want you to know That this is still year one He's bringing in Dr. Leslie Tompkins mm-hmm.
2: oh, And then we get a little background uh, If we weren't already aware That uh, Leslie has been helping Bruce through, uh, through most of his life
0: Yes She wanted mm-hmm. to reread um, Well She wanted to read Alice in Wonderland with him Again He just like freaked out and then hugged her and you know then you see that image with um dr leslie tompkins and alfred in the same room that his parents were in before they left for the mark of zorro and i i thought that was brilliant because it just shows how they're kind of assuming the role of his parents or guardians now that his parents are deceased you know they took their place and and just such strong characters in, in the Batman mythos. I mean, those two have been, those two alongside Jim Gordon have been the rocks for Batman throughout his history. He's still shot in the head, though, so. <laughs>
5: <laughs> yeah,
2: That didn't go away.
0: <laughs> only, only Batman can walk around after being shot in the head. <laughs> just but a <to> scratch. <laughs> Batmobile pulls up in front of uh, the clinic. Crime Alley, where uh, Batman gets back in. They all meet back up in um, Hill House, which is where yes. the Mad Hatter's held up. But all those children, they go to town, break in, and get the kids back. Uh, the creepiness of the Hatter is r- really a good nod to Halloween. I believe really makes you think about suspicious and uncertain in- individuals out there.
3: I think this is one of those stories... I mean, Jervis Tetch kind of is one of the more controversial rogues Mm -hmm. uh, just because, you know, just like he took a very young Barbara Gordon, he's always searching for, like, a young female to play the Alice in his warped fantasy of reliving the Alice in Wonderland story where a lot of people feel that his character kind of pushes the bounds on Maybe being a, like a, I don't know, hate to say it, but a pedophile or something like that.
2: If I remember right, I think he's painted as a pedophile by Grant Morrison mm. in yep. uh, Arkham Asylum.
0: Right.
4: Yeah, it's become more of a reoccurring thing of the character, that's for sure. It's, I, as far as I can remember, it's been mentioned uh, since this book was done. Uh, it's brought up in most of the books, uh, any storyline that has to do with him now.
0: Right. It makes sense, too, because if you look at all of Batman's rogues, you have eco-terrorists, Ivy. You have, actually, chemical terrorists, Scarecrow. You have um, street-level thugs like Two-Face and Croc. You have high-end robbery like Catwoman. You have mass murder like the Joker. It would only make sense if you had someone to fill in that slot, you know, even though it's controversial. but.
4: Yeah, and the, and with what Batman does and in his darkest city of Gotham, he's eventually going to run into a, you yeah. know, a child molester.
0: Exactly. I mean, they, it's never been said or confirmed, but just alluded to, but that's enough because of how much controversy is around that title.
4: Right, yeah, and it, it makes sense it, with his delusion, where he's like constantly looking for an Alice, you know, and like Alice is a young girl. Yeah, so it does, yeah. you know, yeah. make sense with the it, character.
2: It it could really be seen uh, his taking children for the purpose of these tea parties, could really be seen as a metaphor for uh, a pedophile uh, kind of reason for for taking children all the time. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah even I mean, if it's that. not sexual just the fact that he is dealing with children and Alice a young girl that alone is just very odd and disturbing so
4: Yeah, and it was actually even touched on as recently as, like, in a recent detective story they did in the New 52, like, uh, where uh, Batman was chasing uh, uh, the Mad Hatter down, and uh, it's in that new anarchy storyline that Manipal did, where, like, uh, the kids that he had abducted and stuff ended up getting him and were, like, torturing him and stuff. So it was alluded to even in the New 52 that he's you know, abducting children all the time and stuff. Mm,
3: And that could be one reason why, you know, Batman says at the beginning, he's like, this dude creeps me the fuck out, you know? Yeah.
4: (laughs) Yeah.
0: Reading it years ago, like the first time, when I first read that, that's the line that always stuck out to me um, when going back to the story, the one I always remembered, just the way Batman, they have Batman say that, how disturbed he is by the Mad Hatter. And he, he needs to have that disturbing thing
2: about him. Uh, right. If he lacked that, then it would be hard to take him seriously because he would just be well, this tiny little guy that Batman has to go smack around sometimes.
0: Batman, you know, throws him right in the mirror and then staring at his own reflection, like Robin said earlier, and you just see the crack in... Um... The chest bat symbol where where that would be, and then just shattering and just cracking all around him. Really, really intense image.
3: And then we have another intense Batman face punch. <laughs> he,
0: I mean, he just nailed. It. Gordon's very relieved to get Barbara back and turn the page. It's raining in front of Wayne Manor, and you just have Bruce in the library, just. Massive, massive library with a moonlight draped all over it. He pulls out out That's um, a
3: lot of trade paperbacks.
0: <laughs> That's and he just starts to read the story where his mother used to sit, by the way, to read to him while the rain's coming down outside. And once again, man, they like Sail and Loeb just take make they give you a great Halloween story, but just take it so much further in such a limited page count. Um, I really wish that these two would do a Halloween special every year. <laughs> like you said, I mean,
5: it's a limited page count, but it feels like it's such a bigger story than what it physically is. It feels like a huge arc, because you're dealing yeah, with all,
0: uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, different characters and timelines all in one. You know? And uh, and the last one to wrap up the trilogy of the Haunted Night is uh, "Ghosts" by Jeff Lobenson Sale, and this one was a lot of fun. This is the, I, it's it's pretty much the Christmas carol format, but with a Halloween theme. So you know the opening scene, um, Bruce Wayne's at some kind of banquet or party or something, a Halloween party in a in a penthouse, isn't he?
2: And we have those prominently featured shrimp. Yeah. There they are.
0: <laughs> <To> fucking shrimp.
2: <laughs> Going back yeah. again to uh, to uh, year one. <laughs> Shags would be like <laughs> them bloody <laughs>
0: prawns. <laughs> <laughs> Quite smart. Quite smart. <laughs> this is pretty cool. They're all in. This is a Halloween party, and all of a sudden, the window shatters. And then walks in the penguin and walks right in with the shrimps on the floor and the pumpkin. <laughs> oh, oh. And this has to be one of the most vicious-looking penguins in history.
4: Definitely. <laughs>
0: He's, he looks like he has shark teeth. Yeah.
5: Yeah. Yeah. He, he
0: looks. His face looks like a literal
2: penguin, but yeah, kind, yeah, like with the teeth of a shark.
0: Now I have to get that figure from Rector. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: So badass. Um,
5: yeah.
0: I even like the font. They wrote where it says the penguin when he's introduced. I just noticed that now. Yeah. It's a pretty old yeah. school feel to it. He, he has this gun and a trick-or-treat bag. <laughs> just, I can't even do it. I can't even. <laughs> he, he fucking shoots Bruce Wayne and Bruce Wayne flies through the window. Can't catch a break. Shot in the chest, shot in the head.
5: It okay. ain't easy being Bruce Wayne. <laughs> Especially on Halloween to get your ass kicked.
4: And that gun is crazy. <laughs> like the tiniest little gun.
0: It's like the, the Joker gun. He's the big
2: sure ass. Yeah, from long. And, and look at look at the the barrel of the handle on it. Yeah, it's like formed for <laughs> his long. <load. laughs> <laughs> <Way after laughs> like a shrimp.
0: <laughs> Bruce Wayne goes flying out, but Batman comes flying back in. Can someone explain <laughs> that to me? It's like that's a awesome. <laughs> he, he's changing in midair.
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs> he's got his
3: tape, his cape tucked in his tuxedo mm. somehow.
0: Love the way. Tim draws Batman coming back in the window, though, upside down, in that, mm-hmm. and just holding his cape like that. Once again, we have his signature Tim Sale knock-you-the-fuck-out uh, yeah. panel, where he just pounds, uppercut, tiger, uppercut to the penguin, bro. Just I do <laughs> 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 Actually, there's three panels where he's just knocking the <laughs> the <out of> penguin. <laughs> Sorry for the cursing, but man, this is brutal, <laughs> It's the only way to convey it.
4: <laughs>
5: it yeah. really is. Um, <laughs> um,
0: and then you've got
2: bloody-faced penguin trying to casually put his smashed monocle <laughs> in his eye. I <laughs> love that. Like yeah. he's the man?
0: <laughs> he says it so eloquently to you. It's like when partaking in pure fisticuffs, you have me at a disadvantage, and rather than suffer the indignity of an under defeat, I'll take my leave. <laughs> so he jumps
5: out <laughs> Goodbye, the window. Cool he says goodbye, cruel world.
0: <laughs> he jumps yeah. out the window with his trick or treat bag filled with stuff that just dropped. <laughs> so I can't even. <laughs> he
4: throws the line out there. He's like, oh, I got something. <laughs> fishy, 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 fishy. Like he caught a fish. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, so basically, Penguin jumps out the window. Batman chucks his battering down and catches him as if he's fishing. Oh, um. <laughs> and kind of gets pulled into it so oh, what is, what is, um, what does um does he have a rocket pack or something yeah, he got a jet pack. Yeah. Yeah.
4: says he oh. stole one from Gotham's Primatech Labs
0: right right and uh, so he's pretty much pulling batman along this is really cool this is really comic book again just this you know aerial scene between now between the penguin and batman we've seen something similar with uh the joker and the crop duster playing with batman remember so i really yeah. like how sal and um jeff depict these action scenes these chase scenes
3: and i love how after he catches uh the penguin, he's going through his trick or treat bag, saying, "Hmm, any M&Ms in here?"
0: <laughs> That's funny.
2: Penguin, he has... penguin reveals some possible Canadian roots when uh, Batman kind of attaches onto him, and Penguin says, eh?
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah.
4: Sorry about that.
0: <laughs> I love Batman holding a trick or treat bag. Bruce Wayne driving back late in the evening to his to Wayne Manor. His father's home. He's walking through the door. There's somewhat of a, a, a lion crest with a door knocker on the door. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden we see Thomas Wayne's face real quick, like an apparition of it on the thing. So he thinks he's had a long night. <laughs> Just fucking seeing shit now. Oh, walking back in that beautiful Wayne Manor. I tell you, Sale is also one of the best to draw Wayne Manor. Um, Yeah, and definitely one of the best to make it look haunted and gothic and medieval or whatever.
3: Mm. Going back to his wife, Mrs. Cell, you remember when she talks about how a large part of his, you know, when he's on a project, a large part of his time is actually studying architecture or automobiles or whatever will be in the background for the main story, not just the characters. Right. So he like. She what she say? He has all these books of like architecture books and and uh, photo photo and art journals from all these different people. Hmm. So I'm sure he used some of those references to make like you know basically a palace that that Wayne Manor is.
0: Yeah. Inside. Absolutely. Just so much attention to detail and thorough studying. Bruce Wayne's beat. He's tired. He's going to sleep on Halloween night. You know, all of a sudden he hears clank, ching, clank. Well, in the Christmas carol, who was the guy who was wearing all the change? Is that the ghost of Christmas past?
3: No, it was his partner.
0: Oh, it was his partner, yes, right. Right, he would warn him about the three ghosts to come.
3: Right. Sure. Yep. He would. He warned him about you know the sins that he committed while he was alive, and now he's chained forever to roam the earth and then unless you change your ways, you're going to be destined to do the same.
0: Right. Only in this one, it's his father, Thomas Wayne, holding a medical bag with chains and locks draped all around him. And he's just pretty much talking about um, that he prays that he's not too late, that his obsession with Batman creates an even greater and more thunderous chain. And, and the last time we see him like that, when he's flying out of the window, the the father fuck, man. It's like the second... It's like below the waist is just chains mm-hmm. instead of
5: legs. And I'm like, wow, that is well, eerie. The entire time uh, Bruce is, you know, sticking to what he knows and he's like, this isn't real, you know, but th- this isn't a ghost. This is a trick and...
0: Yeah, some perverted
5: uh, i How dare, dare you use my father
0: and... Yeah. So was it min- was it midnight or... What times that say? I think it's at 1 a.m. 1 a.m.? Yep. So I guess the first ghost... Seems to be in the form of poison ivy because he has ivy wrapped all over his body, in the bed, in his Batman cowl. And then gorgeous splash page of ivy right over him. Fuck. Uh...
3: It must take him hours just to draw Yeah, I know to draw
1: that,
0: yeah. <laughs> God.
2: yeah I, I wonder if she ever regretted it after making her l- so complicated once. That, you know, after having to draw her again, like, oh, I gotta, I gotta do this again. Like how, when Jim Lee decided he would start drawing treads on the bottom of Batman's boots, mm-hmm. how he later regretted it. Like, oh, I gotta keep doing these damn treads every time you see the bottom of his foot.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so he thinks he's... Right in front of Poison Ivy, but she says, I'm flattered by the accusation, but I'm merely a player this evening and not the pilot. The real Pamela Isley is locked o- is locked safely away in Arkham where you put her. Yeah, Ivy's taking Batman one. through Wayne Manor. I love how there's uh, jack-o'-lanterns everywhere, like on the steps. Mm-hmm. That was really cool. And then you have Bruce running down in his Zorro costume for Halloween.
2: He always loved the cape.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> And his, he's disappointed because his father uh, got called for an emergency and can't uh, take him trick-or-treating or whatever.
2: Probably had to patch up a Falcone. <laughs> yeah,
0: pretty <laughs> much. Yeah. She's, uh, I like when they're outside of Wayne Manor. She looks like Medusa.
5: Yeah, when it shows them walking down the stairs. Mm. And slowly, you know, Poison Ivy's kind of disappearing on each page until all you see is, you know, all black except for, you know, anything that's green. Yeah. Broken through and then yeah, the other next page they're over in uh, Notre Dame in Paris
0: yeah where that's where um, Bruce saved Lucius Fox a young Lucius Fox from some muggers or something isn't
5: it right
4: mm. I love that too. I love how he's like wearing the same stuff he was like in year one when he goes out before he's yeah,
0: Batman <laughs> Year one He's like Hey man That old crazy Vietnam vet thing Is played out What are you A cop or something <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love the way This ghostly ivy Is just wrapped around Bruce Wayne Now this is the time That This is the first time Tim Sale ever drew Poison ivy So I I wonder if he made her Pale To give her a more Ghostly effect And then eventually Just kept it Cause it worked You know I wonder
4: Yeah, yeah. It'd be
0: Mm, because it works so well against that green you know yeah he
2: makes her uh, Joker pale
0: yeah it just works but there's still like this greenish tint to it which yeah, is really uh, nice a green hue yeah so he wakes up from that dream and then hears some laughing downstairs doesn't he
5: mhm
0: <laughs> only one man has that insane laugh yeah that's some
3: Interesting polka dotted pajamas there.
0: <laughs> In stock pajamas. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> mm. What's kind of cool is that smiling pumpkin right outside his bedroom door.
1: Yeah.
5: Just yeah, and then the, right next to that, Bruce Wayne, you see him on top of the stairs, and as he's walking down the stairs, he he's kind of see like the shadow of like a cape, and then when he's right outside the door,
0: mm. the cow comes back on. Right, okay. so he, once he walks into the main, um, I guess living room with the fireplace, he sees the joker <laughs> sitting there.
4: <laughs> well, Alfred, Alfred upside
0: hanging
5: Alfred upside down with an apple in his mouth,
4: mouth.
0: <laughs> and all those pumpkins. I love all these different faces on the pumpkins, especially that one to the top right, the tallest one. <laughs> <laughs> um, he has Alfred hanging there, huh, strung up with an apple or apple or an or a pu- little pumpkin in his mouth who knows. <laughs> The joke is the second ghost in this tale
2: That that uh, that one jack-o'-lantern It might be the one you were uh, You were pointing out The the tall one that uh, is on the back of the chair It mm. has a very joker face
0: Yes mm-hmm. It does like that grandfather clock too Because that's like the entrance to the Batcave isn't it Yeah ah. So Batman tries to smash his face in With one of those pokers <laughs>
5: And he it doesn't poker, work. Ooh, Rough housing. <laughs> Here's Joker again
3: asking for a kiss. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's always asking for a kiss, man.
0: Joker takes him outside of Wayne Manor. And uh, you know what's kind of cool? If you look on these two pillars, the ones that are. Um, on the right and left side of the Wayne Manor gate to go in. They kind of look like Catwoman, don't they?
4: That's what I thought. It's like mm-hmm. they're devils, but from the back they look like the Catwoman yeah, outfit. they same.
0: Mm-hmm. And Batman's on top of the gate with Joker looking at trick-or-treaters coming to the house. Um,
2: Joker's teeth on that, on that next page. <laughs> how pronounced it is. How focused mm. the, the whole panel is on his teeth. It, it's great.
0: That's perfect. That devilish smile you think the s- large smiles on the jack-o'-lanterns and then that orange glow on him yeah. you know it's just perfect halloween feel and then all of a sudden he i like his I like what he says uh well well look at the time and we were having such fun one more ghost to go bad boob and believe me it's a killer and then the next flash page you just have what appears to be the Grim Reaper right behind Bruce Wayne in his polka-dotted pajamas again. <laughs> bong, bong, bong. So I guess the clock's striking three. We're outside of a what appears to be a broken Wayne Manon. The door's all fucked up, isn't it? The, the, uh, the windows are shattered. There's lightning in the background. It appears to be... Oh, okay, so this is the future, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And, and now they're in a the cemetery. <clears throat> I mean... For the listeners out there, you just got to... You definitely have to read just this. Just sh- get it. Because the, yeah. the
5: artwork just tells a whole different story. Okay. And then, you know, I'm sure we've all said it before, and you'll and I, you'll hear us say it again, but, you know, stories like this, every time you read it, every time you flip through it, you always see or read something, you know, kind of new or special. Right. Because, like, even with the... Uh, I know it's going back, but even with the Joker... Um, on top of the on top of uh, front gates of Wayne Manor. Um, you know, Batman's wondering, oh, what do these kids have to do with me? And Joker says, and they say criminals are a superstitious, cowardly lot. He, he, he. Right. And then he's, you know, almost yeah, comparing you know, him and Batman are almost the same. You know, neither of us have any friends. Who would want to, you know, anybody who want to be friends with us would have to be nuts. Grim Reaper one is just, they're on, it yeah. looks like they're standing on
0: hay, doesn't it? When the moonlight hits it? Yeah. Mm. So you see um, an elderly Alfred over the grave, a grave, and once the lightning strikes, it illuminates where you can see it's actually Bruce Wayne's grave with ivy wrapped around
4: it. Yeah. Yeah,
0: that's pretty cool. (laughs) And Bruce Wayne's just screaming, like, how did this happen? How was I so easily forgotten? Oh, that's one of his greatest fears. The Reaper takes off his hood, and then you have
5: Batman's cow with a skeleton underneath. And uh... because when I've seen that, that's the that that's the answer on why Bruce is so easily forgotten. Mm.
0: You
5: know, because he's you know, even in the earlier in the book when you know he's he's ha- he and this is true with a lot of you know, of course, a lot of Batman stories. He's you know going to a fundraiser and then he has to leave because. No, Joker's out, or a crime's happening, or he's always having to leave dinner or leave a date. So of course, you know, Bruce Wayne's gonna get forgotten because he's never around. Right. Why? Right. Because he pulls, You know, the Grim Reaper pulls off the hood, and it's a skeleton wearing, you know, the the cowl, and you got the lightning strikes in the background, and mm. it almost gives a, a little bit of a chill. Yeah, absolutely
0: asks spirit are these visions of things to come or is it too late to change is it he just asks and then and then alfred wakes him up with some food in the paper and bruce wayne's rather relieved that it may have all been a dream and
5: then alfred says um you know a, bruce was asking you know what's today's date and he's like well it's halloween tonight we'll be fraught with all sorts of criminal activity i assume you'll want your costume pressed.'" crust Mm. And Batman's like, Alfred, do not assume anything.
3: <laughs> you know, the, the point of that last story, and I guess the last visit was, uh, you know, they were showing Bruce, or Batman Bruce, whoever, that he couldn't forget his the human side of him. I mean, he is Batman, but he also has to be a person as well. You know, the, the Grim Reaper shows him that if all you do is fight crime and... And be Batman, you're gonna you're gonna die a lonely person, and no one's gonna remember who Bruce Wayne and the Wayne family was.
0: Right? They they light up all of Wayne Manor for Halloween, and Bruce is outside waiting for the trick or treaters to come, holding a a a bowl of what appears to be some (laughs) kind of candy. This (laughs) is a bowl of shrimp
5: what what I, I liked about the end when the, the kids run up and say trick or treat really loud and all he says is hello <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> I like that because I feel like it's just him transitioning back into a normal person he's gonna be a little awkward because he's so engrossed in being <laughs> Batman that now he's just trying to remember what it's like to be human again to like a regular person yes. and uh and it's just I love the way they ended it you know not only for the Halloween feel but it it's just just a great way to wrap up this Halloween version of a Christmas carol for Batman, and it's a perfect way to wrap up the trilogy as well that is known as the Haunted Night. Even though I wish we could have one every year, at least we got these great Halloween yeah. tales for uh, for Batman. Just you know, masterfully done by Tim Sale and Jeff Loeb. So,
3: what I really- what I love about um, you know these three titles is that they're they're totally opposite from the long halloween which obviously has a very long plot and there's lots of twists and turns and and it's a mystery these these short stories are literally page turners like there's so much going on with each page and you can read them so fast because they're that exciting and and the visuals are so exhilarating they they really do a, a great job of keeping the action going oh yeah and the you know, the pacing of the story is so well done throughout these books.
0: Right. And they really know how to use each rogue very well. And this was the thing when they were doing the haunted night, every Halloween for three years for the legends of the dark Knight special, um, Archie Goodwin, he wanted them. It was so good that Archie Goodwin wanted them to do something longer. That's as, Exactly what he said, and he came up with the name The Long Halloween. I guess it was so good that he just wanted a a year long version (laughs) of what they were doing. And
3: right, I know this may be blasphemy, but I think I enjoy these haunted, these three haunted night stories actually more than the the long Halloween.
0: Yeah, I, I, um, I, I like the way sale was drawing in the haunted night for some reason i uh, you know he changes so much even when you look at um when in rome with catwoman with him and jeff Loeb did that that works a lot different than what we've seen from here as well so he's just so adaptable when it comes to portraying every new story visually that um
3: well definitely i mean yeah. he showed that he can draw like Kelly and yeah in this one and then he could revert back to his very expressive almost abstract and dark and moody style that he's created for the batman
0: yeah you need that mood ladies and gentlemen halloween <clears throat> the haunted night fear madness ghosts perfect greeting if you're a batman fan around the month of october happy halloween